Welcome to the Planning Parent Podcast, where we talk to real parents and professionals about solutions and strategies to minimize the hustle and bustle that we parents face daily. This is a place where you will come to listen, learn, and share about all things parenting. I am your host, Krista Hermans. I am a busy mom to two little girls, a wife and estate planning attorney with a focus on families with minor children, an entrepreneur, scuba diver, and golf hobbyist. My passion is helping families create simplicity and bliss in their everyday lives. Welcome to our show. I'm joined with Lindsay Young. Lindsay Young is a certified transformational nutrition coach and certified strength and conditioning specialist living in Boise, Idaho. She lives with her husband and three kids. She specializes in helping ambitious women develop a simple nutrition and lifestyle plan to create optimal health and energy so that they can confidently rock their ideal body. Lindsay's approach to wellness focuses on real health in a real life context. As the founder of Lindsay Lives Well, a holistic lifestyle and nutrition company, Lindsay has spent the last 15 years coaching hundreds of women to develop a modern approach to a healthy lifestyle that is sustainable and joyful in their homes and out in the real world. Welcome, Lindsay. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to talk about meal planning today. Me too. Me too. I feel like meal planning is, you know, it's something that like as a mom, it's just something that it's always on my mind, right? Because every day I get home from work and my kids want to eat. It's literally me driving up into the driveway and I'm like, oh, now I have to go make them dinner. Um, and it's constant, right? It's, I mean, it's every day. So it's just, it's such a big part of our life. So I'm, I'm so excited to talk to you about it. So, you know, one of the biggest things is why do we meal plan? And I bet it has something to do with my hesitation on coming home to my kids and them wanting to eat, but I'm going to let you answer that. (laughs) Yes. So, I mean, I meal plan because it is hands down the most effective way that I have found as a working mom of three to save time and to save money and to save my sanity, which I think is what you described. And we all have to eat. And as parents, we are the keeper of our homes, right? We're the ones who decide what kind of food is coming in, or we're the ones deciding, you know, where are we going out to eat outside of our home? And we all have to eat multiple times a day Mm -hmm. and kids eat a lot in particular. (laughs) Yeah. So to have a plan for those meals, whether, you know, whether you're planning breakfast, lunch, and dinner down to the minutia, right? To the garnishes on your plate, or you're just, you know, kind of making a plan for dinners and then keeping the regular stocked for breakfast and lunch every day. Kind of whatever your method is, having a plan allows us to make those choices proactively instead of being in that reactive mode mm-hmm. all day long every day because someone yeah. is always hungry. <laughs> yeah. I I completely agree with that. Yeah. And I don't want to be stressed out every night when the inevitable question is asked, right? Mom, what's for dinner? And we know that question is coming. Funny thing about parenting, right? Like we have to do it again. Like I just fed you last night. So we know it's coming. And the amount of stress that we can save from deciding the answer to that question one time, just once a week, instead of having to come up with that answer night after night is really life-giving. And that's why I want, and I encourage everyone to meal plan because it is one of those life-giving investments of your energy. And it's one of the things that when you put a little bit of thought, care, and attention into planning your meals ahead of time, it frees you up to have the energy and the time and the bandwidth to focus on the things that truly matter more in life, right? That matter more than what we're having for dinner. Yes. I love that you said 
that you're doing it so that you're not being reactive to things. And I think that's just one of the things that we forget because we're so busy as parents that we have the control, right? This is one of those things that we actually have control of, that we can make the decisions and do the stuff to make a meal plan and put in place so that during the week when we're busy, we're not being reactive to, oh gosh, my kids are hungry again. I have to feed them dinner again. It's, you know, it's going to happen and you have the ability to be in control because there are so many things in our lives that we aren't in control of, right? And this is that thing that causes stress and it, it just, it makes us have that anxiety. And it's just all things that we can control by having a meal plan in place. So I do not have a meal plan right now. I'm going to be completely honest with you. And it is stressful for me, right? But now after listening to you say that, I want to go do my meal plan because like I, like I forgot, right? This is such a great kind of wake up call. It's like, yes, that is another thing that you can control and takes that, that stress away from you having to worry about it. So I'm doing mine this weekend. You're talking me into it. So I hope it does for, for the people listening to, to go start doing your meal planning. So what have you found is the best process for being successful, successful at meal planning? Yeah. So first of all, I think it's important to remember that meal planning is not, it doesn't have to be a cookie cutter approach, right? And your system may look very different from your sister or your best friend. And also your system may change with the seasons of your life. Like the way I meal plan right now looks different than it will three months from now when we're in the heart of baseball season. And I'm running around like a chicken with my head cut off, never home between four and seven, any nights of the week. So just I think it's important to keep that in mind. There is no one right system that you're chasing, but it is important to have some kind of system in place and one that you can repeat week after week. And I often just talk about meal planning in the the context of a week because the bulk of my clients are working moms with Monday through Friday schedules. So for, you know, for parents with that type of a schedule, it can tend to work out well to shop on the weekends and do your planning on the weekends. But for brand new baby meal planners, I recommend starting by just planning three days at a time, three days a week. And this this can also apply to you if you're the type of person who like the mere thought of deciding on a Saturday what you're going to eat for dinner like the following Thursday if that just makes you want to c- crawl out of your skin like you can't imagine that type of restriction in your life it's okay to start even just by planning 3 days at a time but the important part there is that you need to make a note in your calendar to then reevaluate and potentially make another trip to the store right for 3 days later so that you have that habit of going into each day or each chunk of the week with a plan. So most of my clients get to a place where they do like planning out for the entire week because it saves you so much time to not have to make multiple trips to the grocery store throughout the week, right? Like that's an hour at least, right? And then you wind up spending more money. And so when we can just minimize that, I mean, time is something that most busy parents would like more of, right? That's the number one thing I hear. So even just getting an extra hour back in your week by only making one trip to the store is huge. And I've also had clients who will plan out the entire month at a time. Like they'll just decide dinners for the entire month, right? They're sitting there with cookbooks or on a blog and they're like, why not? Why not plan out the entire month and then create a grocery list for each weekend? And then it's not as though they shop for the entire month, but at least like the sitting down and planning part has has all been done at once. So I think you figure out what works best for you. So I, I actually used to plan for the month. 
Like that was like when I was like on it and I was doing it, it was planning for the month and it was just being able to go back from the prior month and see all the meals that we had and kind of put them on to the next month. But then I think I just got like bored with it. And then it just, you know, it went out the window. I like the weekly thing. I think that is definitely doable because I myself am a planner. I live and breathe by my calendar. If it's not on my calendar, it's not getting done. And like, it just makes sense to me that I have my meals planned out. It's just one other thing that you have to add. And as busy parents, I think it's the first thing that we're like, eh, it doesn't get done. You know, we'll, yeah. we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out the night of kind of thing. So yeah, because inevitably you will figure it out. Like no one's going to go hungry. But then in hindsight, you realize like, wow, that was a lot of wasted energy and stress. That is, like you said before, something that I have control over. Um, and then you just get it. It has to be part of your routine and your rhythm. And then once it, you know, like as parents, we get into a lot of different rhythms and routines. So I think once it's there, then the maintenance of it gets a lot easier. Hey, if you are enjoying our show, please make sure to subscribe to the Planning Parent podcast and join our community on Facebook at The Planning Parent, where we share resources, you can interact with our guests, you can share your experiences and be part of our parenting community. Now back to our show. And then kind of along that same line with that process, right? Like what are the pieces of the puzzle that need to kind of all come together so you can be successful with it? I actually teach this like full on detailed seven step process inside of my meal planning course, but I'll kind of walk you through the steps real quick because I think it's easy to forget a piece of the puzzle and then not understand why meal planning isn't working for you or maybe why it feels more difficult than it has to be. So you said that you live and die by your calories. Calendar, right? And I think that consulting our calendar is really important when you plan your meals each week because you need to know, you know, what are the nights that maybe you need leftovers because you're flying in the door at 7.30 p.m. Or, you know, what are the nights where you've got a little extra time or, you know, maybe your husband's schedule and your schedule, right? You've got to take a look at the calendar and take that into account when you're doing your meal plans so that they can actually come to fruition, right? Like I've had so many times where I put something on the on the menu, but then don't realize that it's an hour, you know, it has to cook in the oven for an hour. I'm like, well, when did I think that was going to happen? <laughs> so consulting your calendar is really important. The choosing of the recipes, which feels like an obvious step. And that's, I think where a lot of people jump in first is, okay, I'm just going to spend two hours on Pinterest, right? And then all of a sudden they've got these elaborate Pinterest boards full of recipes that they never end up making. <laughs> so I teach first to utilize what's already in your fridge, your freezer, your pantry, and get into the habit of doing a quick sweep there so that your list winds up smaller and you're being a better steward of the things that you already have and building your meals around things that you already have. Then of course, there's creating your list. And if you are kind of smartly keeping track of things throughout the week, right? Things that you start to run out of. Like when I notice we're running low on ketchup, I put that on my list throughout the week. I have a magnetic list on my refrigerator and I've trained my family to do the same. Like if you want something to be picked up from the grocery store, if you're the last person who uses something up, put it on the list. Because if I can keep that running list throughout the week, and then I've got our staples that I get every single weekend, the actual adding of things to the grocery list is really fast because it's just kind of the recipes that I've picked out there. 
I'm a big fan of one grocery shopping trip per week where if you can get your system refined where you go out, you hit your stores, you do it once, and maybe you have to do a little grocery delivery or maybe you're using something like Thrive Market or Amazon to kind of supplement those trips. But as a busy parent, if you can do that in like one loop during the weekend, that's a game changer, not having to make all those little trips to the store. Um, And then kind of my fifth step is to cultivate success. And a lot of times we get home from the grocery store and we're like, okay, we're done. Like we did it. We got everything we need. But what you do when you get home from the store can often make or break your ability to actually execute during the week when things get busy, right? When you're running 20 minutes behind and it's the witching hour and the kids are hungry. So if you can create an environment for success when you get home from the store by properly storing and organizing and prepping your groceries, like there's a strategy to it that can then make the putting together of the meals a lot easier. There's also, I'm sure you've known people like this who will maybe want to cook all their meals on the weekend, right? Or, you know, that's what they want to do with their full Sundays, cook all their meals. So then they just have to reheat or, you know, do some things in advance to make, um, to make like life easier later on. And that's not how everyone works, right? Not everyone wants to spend their weekend doing meal prep, but there are some really simple activities that can be done just once during the week that will give you time back. So whether that's a little bit of batch cooking or something I call micro prep, where it's just little bits of prep that you do. Like if you're going to chop an onion for dinner three times during the week, if you have a meal plan, you know that ahead of time. So you can chop all three onions at once and then store the rest in your fridge, right? It's not that much more work but it saves you that little bit of time. Um, so whether you're you know, doing a weekly cookup for, for mix and match, there are just ways to really be smart about your prep that then you know, you're not starting from zero every single night. I just When I think about putting dinner on the table, I think that it's a process of zero to 100%. And anything I can do to not be starting at zero at 5.30 at night is like the goal. Like, if the meat is thawed, like we're, you know, we're 10% right? of the way there. <laughs> yes. The, I would, I would even say 25% if the meat's thawed. Because yeah. <laughs> that's a, that's a huge jump. So, so um, and then kind of the final step would be to, to reflect and rinse and repeat. And that's where, I mean, every time we meal plan, there are lessons to be learned, right? Was that the perfect meal plan for a busy weeknight? Um, did your entire family lick their plates clean? Did, do you regret not having doubled that recipe so that there were leftovers for lunch? So, just making space for reflection. And then as you refine your process, as you build up those recipes that your family actually likes, and you can separate them from the ones that they didn't, you know, and were kind of bombs, then you can compile those meal plans and you're able to strategically reuse them time and time again. So you're really not starting from scratch, like the beginning of meal planning, it's like the hardest part, right? And then once you get going, you acquire so many great skills and recipes that it does continue to get easier and easier. Yeah, it is very overwhelming to get started, especially with just trying to come up with the ideas from a recipe perspective. Um, And it's just, you know, I'm always kind of taking notes, whether it's where I'm somewhere and I have my phone on me and I have like, you know, I just put, put the notes in like something that I remember, like, oh, my family liked when I made this And then it's like, okay, now I can add that to my meal plan. So that's, you know, all good points. I love that. Um, Okay, so I have two kids, five and seven. And I know in other conversations I've had with moms that we have picky eaters, right? And it's, it's a 
it's hard because, you know, I want to make stuff that I think is going to be nourishing for them, right? It's going to give them, it's going to be healthy for their bodies. Um, and I don't want to just, you know, reheat chicken nuggets every night, even though my kids don't even really love chicken nuggets. I'm just using that as an example because I know that a lot of kids love chicken nuggets and there's nothing wrong with chicken nuggets, you know, feed your kid chicken nuggets if you need to, but not every night. And so how, how do you care for picky eaters? Like, like I don't want to make two meals, right? I want them to eat the food that I am making and then we can all enjoy that one meal. Yeah. hundred percent. Any suggestions? Yes. And I hear that from, from parents all the time and from my clients as well. Um, and I think having the perspective now, so my kids are now 14, nine and six. And, um, you know, we were kind of chatting before about, gosh, I mean, my, my 14 year old was that kid who would literally gag when he was eating something that was new. (laughs) Right. And I remember the pediatrician saying like, they won't starve to death. And I was thinking, I think I do have the one that would, I think I have the one that would literally just choose not to eat and would starve to death. So I can totally relate to that. And I, love that I can now say that, you know, at 14, like he cooks dinner one night a week, he will eat anything we put on the table, like even the, you know, the most random vegetables, he's got a very, um, you know, advanced eating style for a 14 year old. So I like to tell parents that I'm like, there is hope because he was the chicken nugget quesadilla kid. And like there, there for sure is hope. (laughs) Yeah. Mine don't even like quesadillas. Like it's like just, you know, trying to find things, but you know, like you said, we were talking beforehand, my kids like, like chicken tikka masala and like, like Indian food. Like they like stuff that isn't the norm, like that kids only eat chicken nuggets. Yeah. But it's, you know, like when I make stuff for them, they just, they won't even try it. Like, Oh, it looks disgusting. And so it's, you know, how do we, how do we, how do we do this as parents where we're not making all these meals? Yeah. So when I was first trying to expand my kids' palates, one thing that I was intentional about was I wouldn't surprise them with a brand new meal, but I would try to introduce one new thing per meal. So maybe the chicken was familiar and the rice was familiar and the carrots on their plate were familiar, but the Brussels sprouts were new, right? So it was, it gave them that sense of reassurance like, okay, I've seen most of this before. That one's new. I'm just going to kind of look at that one for a little bit. (laughs) And I started by just asking them to try things. And I really didn't want to make our dinner table the place where there was fighting and yelling and threatening. And that just wasn't the type of relationship I wanted to cultivate with my kids and food. But it makes sense when you think about, you know, being a small child. And when you see something brand new for the first time that, you know, smells funny, looks funny, tastes funny, you're not going to be open to that. So just by, I think as parents, having a good variety of food around, letting your kids see new things and without maybe the pressure of trying them or eating them or having to eat a lot of it, right? Just like seeing those things a little bit can help a lot. And when they see you eating them, it just helps to make it feel like it's kind of a safe environment. And then I talked with my kids a lot about how sometimes you have to try something at least 10 times before you like it. We talked about how taste buds develop and how a lot of times when you try something new for the first time, you just don't like it. But I would tell them, if you try it 10 times and you really don't like it, then 
then I, I get it and you won't have to try it anymore. And that like with my oldest who will eat so many weird things, like he won't eat zucchini. And we have a zucchini, like our, gar- our garden zucchini explodes in the summer and we eat a lot of zucchini. He doesn't like it. And I'm like, I get it. You've tried it like 50 times. It's fine. Um, so I think you have to remember that this is a process with the kids, right? And you're in it for the long game. You're not in it for this one meal that they're going to eat Brussels sprouts or they're going to bed hungry, right? Like we're in it for the long game. Um, I think with kids, it helps a lot. The more you get them involved in the planning process and in the kitchen, in the cooking, they're so much more likely to want to eat something if they've been part of that process. So, you know, I put recipe books out and I have my kids flip through them and I'll say, Hey, pick out something you want to make for dinner this week. Um, and I get them to help me in the kitchen all the time, even if they are, you know, cutting Brussels sprouts and they're not going to eat them later because they've decided they don't like that. They can still help with the prep. And it really does help them just the more familiar, the more that they're around those foods. Um, And then I also, I keep some really easy swaps on hand as well. And this is just something that's worked well for my family. Um, Like my oldest who doesn't like zucchini, I always have basic salad ingredients on hand. So in the summer when we're grilling zucchini at least one night a week, I just make a really simple salad for him to go with it. So he's still having a veggie, but it's okay. He doesn't have to have zucchini and I'm not cooking a whole second meal. So I always keep, you know, baby carrots, um, uh, cucumbers, celery in the fridge. So if there is kind of a weird vegetable I've cooked that night, there's something else for the kids, right? They can say like, okay, I had two bites of it. I don't love it. And I'm like, great, let's get you a handful of carrots. Um, I have one kid who doesn't like pork chops and we get these amazing pork chops from butcher box. They're like pasture raised. They're so good. And the rest of our family loves them. So they're asking for them all the time. And with the youngest, like he's tried them a bunch of times he, for whatever reason, and right now he doesn't like pork chops. So I keep um, Teton Waters. They have grass-fed hot dogs that we get at Costco. And I keep those in the freezer all the time. So I know when it's pork chop night, like I'm heating up a hot dog for the little one because he doesn't like pork chops right now. So I think learning a couple little strategies where you're not having to make an entire second meal or you know, you're not having to totally cater to one person because they've decided they don't like something, but you can still kind of make it work without that much extra effort. And I think now too, like having the experience of older kids and and having had three, I've realized that they do all go through these weird phases, right? Where they've liked something and then suddenly they don't, or it doesn't make sense because they liked the tikka masala, but then they don't like something with a similar flavor profile. Like it just, it doesn't make sense, but a lot of these are phases. And if you stay calm about it and just kind of continue to expose them to a lot of things and they see you modeling diversity in your eating, um, you know, like, like all things with parenting, we have to find our, our own balance and use our own discernment. But, you know, I don't cater to them. I don't make completely separate meals. Um, you know, we kind of pick and choose our battles. So, you know, you might say like, okay, you're not going to eat chicken nuggets and quesadillas for dinner every night. Like, we are going to eat real food. We're going to eat family meals, but maybe I'm willing to meet you with a salad instead of the zucchini, right? Like you kind of figure out where those places are that you can balance. Okay. So many good ideas there. I mean, I wrote them all down um, because I think, you know, it's, it's great for, for my little ones, you know, I want to get them involved in the process. And I, I think that is a good strategy to, you know, if they helped make it and they were involved in the, in the picking it out, I feel like they're more likely to 
you know, at least try it um, because they're involved in that. So I, I, I think that's a really great thing. And I, I never did the 10 times trying thing 10 times. Um, you know, I always tell them, try it, you know, take two bites. Um, but I, I think I'm going to try the 10 times strategy and just so that I can kind of make it over the course of a few times to be able to do that. So, um, all really, really great tips. So thank you for that. I do appreciate it. Um, okay. So one last question, um, snacks, any suggestions on having like healthy snacks or, you know, what are easy things for, especially with parents, with kids so that they're not just going for like, you know, um, fruit snacks in there or chips or cookies or, you know, those kind of things. What are some other options and how do you kind of balance that? Yeah. So taking a little bit of a step back from like a big picture view when it comes to snacking with kids that I think it's really important to make sure that we are focusing on good meals first, right? Because when kids are waking up and they're like, oh, you know, like they wake up and they have an applesauce and then a little while later they want some cereal and then a little while later you kind of get in this cycle of it being more like snacks all day long versus having those those staple meals. So I think really making sure from an early age or whatever age, you know, if you're trying to make changes and your kids are, you know, well past being toddlers, but just trying to really make sure that at mealtime, you've got a good source of protein. You've got some type of healthy fats there because especially with kids, like carbs are easy to come by, right? They're going to eat tons of carbs. Like you just said, the chips and the crackers and the fruit. And, but if you make sure that you get good protein and healthy fats with the meals, the snacking in general goes way down. And then you're not having to come up with 20 snacks (laughs) because they're not needing quite as many. And then thinking about that with protein and healthy fats being so important for blood sugar regulation and satiety, which is what often leads kids to want to snack all day because it makes sense. Like if they're constantly having refined carbohydrates and sugar, it just digests so quickly that they legitimately are going to need to eat 30 minutes later, right? You're like, I just gave you something. Yeah. Yeah. And so then it becomes a question of, okay, well, how do I get then like the proteins and the healthy fats as snacks? So some that have that work really well for our family is we love the chomps beef and turkey sticks. We have like tons of those, right? Portable protein on the go. You can stick them in the diaper bag and your purse and all of that. I often find too with my kids that if we're out and about and if they're like, hey mom, do you have a granola bar? And if I have that, they'll eat it just because I have it, right? But if I'm like, all I have is a turkey stick, they kind of really think about whether they're hungry or not, you know, because they love them when they're hungry. But when they're just like looking for something to snack on because they're bored, they're like, eh, not as good. So, okay, so turkey and beef sticks will also do quite a bit of beef jerky um, because, again, that's healthy protein on the go. Um, We'll also do a lot of nuts and trail mix. My kids love to make their own trail mix. So we'll get almonds and cashews and um, pecans and pistachios and dried blueberries and goji berries and shredded coconut. And they'll take their little jars and they'll make their own little, you know, portable trail mix that they can take with them. So getting lots of those good, healthy fats. I love the little single serve guacamole packs, like um, Holy Guacamole has them and you can get them at Costco. They freeze really well, which is nice. You like don't have to go through them all. You can pop them in the freezer and then I'll take those and pop them in a bag or a container with a bunch of baby carrots. So you've got a veggie, you've got some healthy fats there with the guacamole and the guacamole will kind of keep the carrots cold as they thaw. We do a lot of hard-boiled eggs for snacks on the go too. 
Um, and sturdy fruit, right? Like mandarins and apples pack really well. They're not going to get squished like some other fruit would. So we try to keep it pretty basic with fruit, veggies, healthy fats, protein. Um, sometimes we'll do like Greek yogurt with frozen fruit, like with uh, frozen blueberries. Those are some of our go-tos. Okay. Yeah. I, I envision having like fruits and vegetables cut up Mm-hmm. for my kids to just always be able to kind of go in there. And I, the way that I've done it in the past is it's okay. You need to have a fruit or a vegetable with whatever snack you're having. Right. Yeah. And then obviously limit the number of times they're having snacks throughout the day, because if it gets to dinner and they've now had four snacks since lunchtime, they're not hungry. Exactly. Right. And so more reason for them not to eat the food that I've made that they don't like now because yes. um, they're not hungry. So, yeah. And that um, kind of that, like, we, I try to say like the hour and a half to two hours before dinner, there are no snacks. And I know like when you have little ones, like especially toddlers, they go bananas and they're often hungry for dinner, like earlier than I am or before my husband gets home. So what I would do is I'd have those cut up veggies in the fridge and I would just pull those out and put them on the table with like Sir Kensington's has a really great ranch or I'd put some guacamole out. So they're getting some good healthy fats. And they're like, I'm like, if you ruin your appetite for dinner because you just ate a bunch of carrots and guacamole, like I'm okay with that. It's not endless applesauce packets, <laughs> you know? So we kind of say like the snacks are cut off by four, but there's some veggies if you're legitimately hungry. Yeah. No, I, I we do the same thing. Um, you know, there's always fruits or vegetables available if you need something. So, okay, perfect. Well, thank you so much for sharing all of your amazing wisdom with us. Again, I'm, I'm meal planning this weekend. So I'm going to send you a message on Instagram and send you a picture of the one that I did just to show you that I did it. You have some freebies that you have available that I wanted to share. So you have a seven day meal plan and a meal planning toolkit, and those are on your website. So we're going to make sure to link those in our show notes so that you know, anybody can go on, especially to help you get started, or maybe you need to refine your technique, or maybe you're just looking for a new kind of way to do it. These freebies should help you with that. And then where can people connect with you? Yeah. So on my website, which is lindsaylliveswell.com, and that's Lindsay with an A-Y. Um, I have a drop down menu there that has those free resources and a couple others. Um, and then also I'm on Instagram at lindsay.lives.well. Okay. Well, perfect. Well, thank you again for joining me today. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was fun. Thank you for joining us for the Planning Parent Podcast. Please make sure to subscribe, rate, write a review, and share our podcast. Please check the show notes for resources and all the ways to connect with us, including joining our community on Facebook at The Planning Parent, and follow us on Instagram at The Planning Parent. We hope you enjoyed your time with us and got some great solutions and strategies to help you achieve the simplicity and bliss you deserve. And remember, take a deep breath. You do matter. You're doing a great job.